Take your Bible, turn with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We've been going through a series together on Sunday morning on the subject of faith, and we've been taking for our text the probably most famous chapter on faith in the entire Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. In this passage of Scripture, we have detailed for us many heroes of the faith. And the title of our series, not the message today, but of the series is Living by Faith. There's an old gospel song that talks, it's called Living by Faith. We sang it a couple weeks ago together. And the first verse says, I care not today what tomorrow may bring, if sorrow or sunshine or rain the Lord I know ruleth or everything, and all of my worry is vain. The, the chorus says, living by faith. And here in Hebrews 11, we have the examples of many men and women who lived by faith. Verse 1 says it very simply in Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And as we continue this study on faith today, I hope that you will keep that idea of the good report is found with the Lord by live, for those who live by faith. Faith is a very simple thing, and yet it is something that we tend to overcomplicate. It's a simple thing in its concept, and yet the challenge really comes in the living by faith. A few weeks ago, we looked at Abel. He was the son of Adam and Eve, and he was a man who worshipped God by faith. He worshipped God by faith. We looked at then Enoch, who was a man who walked with God by faith. We looked at Noah. We looked at Noah last week, who was a man who was willing to follow God and to do what God told him to do by faith. But this morning, I want us to take some time to focus on the man in Scripture. He was first known as Abram, but later that God changed his name to Abraham. Abraham was a man of great faith. His faith was so wide and comprehensive in its range that he was called by God himself in Romans chapter 4 and verse 11, the father of all them that believe. That's quite a statement to be made about you, that you would be the father of all them that believe. And in Hebrews 11, in most of the biographies or vignettes that we have on these various characters, we're just given one verse except for Abraham. When it comes to Abraham, there are 12 verses given out of this one chapter just to discuss the life and the faith of Abraham. In the book of Genesis, there are some 14 chapters that God dedicates to describing for us the life of Abraham. There is no ancient figure in all of history who's been held in such high regard by such a large portion of the human race. Uh, Jewish people look to Abraham. Christians look to Abraham. Did you know even in the Muslim faith, they look back to Abraham. Abraham is a man 
who God used and through God's work in his life, Abraham has had tremendous influence. And I believe Hebrews 11 gives us the reason why. It was because Abraham was a man of faith. I want to read together with you Hebrews chapter 11 verses 8 through 10. We're not going to cover the whole life of Abraham from even from Hebrews 11 today because there's too much. I've broken this up into a few different messages. And if you aren't able to be here for the next few, you'll be able to catch them online and watch them that way. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, the Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, what does the next word say? Let's read it together. Obeyed. Obeyed. God called him to go to a place. And what did Abraham do? He obeyed. He obeyed. And the Bible says, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. Now that's an interesting thing to add right after the fact that he obeyed. So that tells us that Abraham obeyed, not really knowing where he was going. Do you remember when we talked about faith a few weeks ago? We said that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not walking by sight. It's walking in obedience to what God has said. And Abraham is a man who did that. God told him to go somewhere to where Abraham didn't really know. And Abraham obeyed. Notice verse 9. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. You know, the land of promise didn't look like all that much when he was there. Because it was the land of promise. It was something he was looking forward to. It was by faith. By faith he sojourned there as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, those are tents, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Hey, he inherited a promise. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody called me in and said, hey, you've been named in this person's will and we want to read it to you and they read the will and all that was in the will was a promise? Hey, I expect to come out of here and get something today, but all I got was a promise? You know, that's all Abraham got was a promise. But that promise was enough for Abraham because of the one who had made that promise to him for him to act upon it by faith. By faith. He was an heir of the promise, for he looked for a city which hath foundations. You know, when, when Abraham got to the promised land, there wasn't a big city there that was his. Now, there were various tribes and people that inhabited various places like Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. But there was not a city that was Abraham's city, but he went there on a promise looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder... And maker is God, is God. Abraham is a man who really did live. He's not just a fictional character. He's a real person who lived. And he walked by faith even without a whole lot of information, even without a whole lot of substance behind it. He was willing to trust God and walk by 
faith. The Bible says when Jesus speaks about Abraham in John chapter 8, verses 56 to 58, Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews to him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. One day Abraham, he lived in the city of Ur, Ur of the Chaldees, and he heard God speaking to him. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Do you see what God asked Abram to do? He asked him to leave his country, Abram's country. He asked him to leave his kindred, his kinfolk, his people. And he asked him to leave his father's house. For Abraham, walking by faith meant giving up country, kinfolk, and father's house. And he did all of that following God by faith. And when the Lord finished speaking to Abraham, what did Abraham do? He obeyed God. Genesis 12 verse 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram, catch this, he was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. He's already lived 75 years. I mean... This is a guy who's been around a while. If you know the story of Abraham, you know that he was about 100 years old when Isaac was born. So he'd lived 75 years. He was married, but he didn't have any children. And then he lived there in that land of promise for 25 more years without even having a son. Walking by faith for Abraham was not something that was an overnight thing. This was not something that stuff just happened immediately when he decided to obey God. No, he had to be willing to leave behind his family, leave behind his country, go to a very different, as the Bible even describes it here, a strange land. And he had to do all that by faith, by faith. Abraham obeyed and he went out, not knowing whither he went. This was the obedience of faith. That's our title this morning, the obedience of faith. I want you to notice five different aspects with me this morning about the obedience of faith. You know, faith, as James tells us in, in his book, faith without works is dead, being alone. So faith requires obedience for it to be faith. And I want you to notice five different aspects of this faith as it's illustrated in Abraham's life. Here's the first one. Are you ready? It's very simple and it's right from the text. Abraham's obedience was prompt. It was prompt. We've already looked at the verses together. God came to Abraham and he told him to go. And what did Abraham do? He got up and went. He got up and went. This is clearly brought out through what we saw in Genesis 12, verse 1, and then in Hebrews 11, verse 8. God spoke to him and he obeyed. Now you might ask the question, well, how did God speak to Abraham? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. 
But what we do know for sure is that God did speak to Abraham. And Abraham, when he heard God's command, he obeyed. He obeyed. His obedience was prompt. Even later in his life, after those 25 years had passed and God gave him a son, Isaac. Do you remember what happened a few years later? God came to Abraham and he said, I want you to take your son, your son Isaac, the son of promise, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Genesis 22, verse 1 through 3. Let me just read that account to you. It says, And the Lord, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and here was Abraham's response. He said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. You know what we would probably say if God came to us and said something? Why? What, are you sure? What do you mean? That doesn't make sense. But what did Abraham do? Verse 3, And Abraham rose up early in the morning. He didn't delay. He didn't hang back. He didn't, as somebody's mother used to say, dilly-dally around. No, he obeyed and his obedience was prompt. It was prompt obedience. It says he rose up early in the morning. He saddled his ass and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. I want you to notice two other illustrations from God's Word, from the New Testament, about the obedience of faith and how that obedience was demonstrated by these men. The first one is Philip. Philip. He obeyed the voice of the Holy Spirit quickly. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 30, the angel of the Lord spake to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Do you know where Philip was when God came to him? Philip was busy preaching the gospel and people were being saved. God was doing an incredible work. There was a revival going on and God comes to him in the midst of a great spiritual blessing and says, Philip, I want you to go to the desert. To the desert? Why do you want me to go there? Is there some big crowd there assembled for me, God? God, do you want me to go to preach to a big stadium full of people? No, no. I need you to go right now, though, because there's a man who's traveling on a chariot. I, I love this story because God is orchestrating even the motion of people traveling to different places on different roads, and he's orchestrating things so that two people are going to meet on a road at a particular time. You know how big of a God you have to be to be able to do that? Philip has no knowledge of this. The Ethiopian eunuch that he meets up with has no knowledge of this. And yet God is superintending so that two guys just happen to run into each other on the road at the same time. Do you think God can do things like that? I think he can. Do you think when you run into somebody by accident that it was really an accident or maybe God had a plan for you as well? But I think about this. If Philip had delayed, he wouldn't have been on time, would he? That man was, this is interesting too, Philip is on foot, 
the, chair, the, the Ethiopian eunuchs in a chariot. That's it. Man, God is really good at math, too. Because you got to figure out how fast the guy's traveling in the chariot and how fast the guy can walk and put all that together at the same time. That just sounds complicated to me. And God just did that. And it was no big deal to him. And he sent him to the desert. And what did Philip do? Verse 27 of Acts chapter 8 says, And he, Philip, arose and went. The obedience of faith is an obedience that is a prompt obedience. When God tells us to do something, when God's word says do it, faith says, okay, I'll do it right now. A lack of faith does not move promptly to obey God's clearly revealed word. Now, you may say, well, pastor, but what about the scriptures that say wait on the Lord? Well, sometimes God's instruction to us is to wait and we better promptly wait. Too often time, though, when, when, we, when God tells us to wait, we want to get up and run around. And then when God tells us to go, that's when we want to wait. Why? Because we tend to walk by sight and not by faith. Philip was a man who obeyed God promptly. Another example from the book of Acts was a man by the name of Ananias. Acts chapter 9, God came to Ananias and he told him that he needed him to go and speak to a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Now, if you know anything about Saul of Tarsus, you'll know that he was a murderer. You'll know that he had a personal vendetta against anybody that claimed the name of Christ. And he was on a mission and he even had legal paperwork to back him up to be able to imprison Christians and to put them to death. And he goes to Damascus with that sole purpose in mind. And as he gets on the way to Damascus, God meets him on the road. You may know the story. A bright light shone and, and Saul cried out to God and God spoke to him. And, and God got a hold of Saul of Tarsus on the road of Damascus. But you know who didn't know about that? Ananias. He, he's a believer in God, but he's living in the city of Damascus. And God comes to Ananias and says, Ananias, I need you to go up and talk to Saul. What are you talking about, God? Saul's somebody I want to hide out from. He's somebody I want to run away from. But God says to Ananias in Acts 9, verse 10, Ananias. And notice Ananias' answer. He says, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go. You know, I like that word arise. It just means something special to me. <laughs> arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul. It's kind of funny how the Lord comes to him. Hey, go to this guy, Judas. And look for somebody named Saul, the one called Saul. Of course Ananias knew who Saul was. One called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And it's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And look at Ananias' answer to the Lord in verse 13. Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints of Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. And the Lord said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. You know, God never makes mistakes. And when he puts you together with somebody, he didn't make a mistake in that situation either. And you know, God may be putting you together with somebody that's a chosen vessel for him. 
Aren't you thankful that God allowed somebody to run into you at some point along the way and point you to Jesus? You know, Philip got to be that person for the Ethiopian eunuch. Ananias got to be that person for Saul. For Saul. And the Lord said, Go thy way as a chosen vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And what did Ananias do? Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and put his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared to thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mayest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. With the Holy Ghost. See, the obedience of faith is a prompt obedience. Abraham's obedience, it was prompt. I know, nobody wants to hear this, but boys and girls, teenagers, when your parents tell you to do something, the proper way to obey is quickly, promptly, right away. Hey, but moms and dads, oh, i got to pick on us now this morning too because you know God is our Heavenly Father and His Word tells us what we're supposed to do as well. And if we take God's Word and say, well, I'll get to that later or I'll obey that when I'm ready. I'll do that when, when, when the situation is a little bit different. God will surely understand. God understands. He knows everything about you. God doesn't need to get permission from you to be able to tell you to do something. God doesn't have to check your calendar before He puts something on it. He knows what's there. God doesn't have to say, well, I don't know if they're ready or not. God knows. And so if God tells us in His Word something we're to do, then the obedience of faith is a prompt obedience. Number two, Abraham's obedience was practical. It was practical. You know, obedience isn't some random uh, mystical idea that we don't know what it is. No, it's very practical. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, when God spoke to Abraham, the Bible says Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. God told him to go, so he went. It wasn't hazy faith. It wasn't cloudy faith. It wasn't foggy faith. It was active faith. He went. Let's look again at Hebrews 11. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place where he should have to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. You say, well, but surely there was more going on. No, he obeyed. He went out not knowing whither he went. Does God have to explain everything to you before you obey him? No. Is he obligated to describe to you all in detail how everything's going to work out before you are then required to obey? No. He doesn't have to give us his reasons for us to obey him. Yeah. Obedience must be prompt. It must also be practical. The obedience of faith is a practical faith. Faith obeys God by launching out upon God's promises and by doing his bidding without question. Faith trusts God to provide even if He hasn't provided yet. Sometimes you say, well, I'll obey, I'll obey God 
when I have this, or after this, or when God does this first, then I'll do that. No, if God's word is clear about an area of obedience in your life, then you obey him and you trust him to take care of it. There are some people that continue to live in a particular sin because they say to themselves, well, God will have to understand, I just can't afford to change my situation right now. There are other people who will continue in a position that they know they're not supposed to be in, but they say, well, I can't change because if I change, that's going to hurt me financially or that's going to hurt me relationally or I'm not sure how I'm going to work this out. Obedience is prompt, but it's also practical. It's practical. Abraham's faith did work, and that meant a giant upheaval in his life. I mean, think about it. Abraham's life would have been a lot simpler if he had not obeyed God by faith. It would have been a lot simpler. He would have been able to stay close to his family. He wouldn't have had to run around the countryside in a tent. You know, he would have never even had a son to have to think about sacrificing. He would have never had to fight those wicked kings that came and overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, he had to raise up an army and go out. Like, he could have just stayed home with his parents, lived in their house, lived off whatever they had, and he would have had his life. You know, I found a lot of people have no idea what they miss out on when they don't walk by faith when they don't walk by faith. Obedience, or or the faith of obedience is prompt. It's practical. A number of years ago, I had the opportunity to work with a a number of teenagers and one particular um, young lady. God was doing a special work in her life. It was clear to see. Everybody could see it, and she was excited to serve the Lord and follow Him. And she had made some commitments that I'm going to follow the Lord by faith after high school, and I'm going to go off and continue to prepare. And uh, she, she played the piano, and she wanted to continue to prepare her ability to be able to play and use that musical ability to serve the Lord. And I remember meeting with her. She had just graduated from high school, and she said, I really want to do this. I believe this is what God wants me to do. But she said, I really want to buy a new car. I, I need a car. I said, well, you don't need a car to be able to do this. Like, you can go to school without a car. I did it. Yeah, it's nice to have a car, but let me tell you a secret. There's some college guys here. If you don't own a car, you let other people burn their gas. (laughs) It's cheaper to not own a car in college. Now, it's a little bit more frustrating because you have to wait on other people and get rides. I get it. But I said, you don't need a car to go to college. No, I have to get a car. I have to get a car. I have to get a car. I said, well, why don't you go to school and then just trust the Lord to provide that when you need it? No, no, I have to get this car right now. And she had a, she had a pretty good job. And so she, she worked and she said, I'm not going to go. I'm going to wait a year. And uh, so she, she's working very hard. She's doing her best. It's like going and working a job is not a bad thing, right? But when God's told you to do something else, So she worked hard, and she saved money up, and she eventually bought that car. You know, she never went off to school. She never expanded her ability in music, and she's not doing any of that for the Lord today. In fact, I had somebody come to me in our church a while later, and they said, Hey, about so-and-so, I thought they were going to go and 
prepare to serve the Lord with this gift that they had. I said, well, they were, but they decided to stay home because they wanted to buy this car. And this individual said, oh, I'm really sad to hear that. God had laid it on my heart to help them with their college bill. And I thought, you don't even know what you're missing out on when you don't obey God and walk by faith. You know, she doesn't know that that would happen. That money never changed hands because she wasn't willing to take a practical step of faith. You see, if God's spoken to you and He's made it clear from His Word what you're supposed to do, then you have to be willing to take some very practical actions to demonstrate your faith in Him. You must obey Him. It's not complicated. It feels complicated. It probably felt complicated for Abraham to give up his family and to leave his home and to move to a strange country. That seems complicated. Lots of logistics, lots of difficulty. But it's not complicated to obey God, to take a practical step of obedience. Say, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how we're going to make it all work. But, Lord, I'm going to walk by faith. His obedience was prompt. It was practical. But I want you to notice, thirdly, about his obedience. Abraham's obedience was progressive. It was progressive. Somebody said, what? We're going to talk politics this morning? Not that kind of progressive. See, when Abraham left Ur, that was only his first step of faith. But it wasn't his last step of faith. One step of faith always leads to another and another and another. I was having this conversation with the Zacharies the other night. How when you walk by faith and you take a step of faith, you know what happens? That step of faith now becomes sight. Like you've already taken that step. So you don't really, where you're standing at this moment is not faith anymore. It's sight. Because you've already taken the step of faith to get where you are today. Faith is the next step. The one that you haven't taken yet. The one that you're thinking about taking. The one that you know you're supposed to take because God tells you in His Word to do it. That's where faith comes in. And so an obedient faith is a progressive faith. It's a faith that's willing to take this step, yes, but now the next step and the next step. But here's the problem with our faith, and I struggle with this just like all of you probably do. We look down the road three or four steps, and we say, I, could ne- I know God tells us this, I know that's faith, but I couldn't take that step out there. Did you know God's not asking you to take that step out there today? He's asking you to take this step today. And it's amazing when you'll take this step of faith, how then the next step of faith is something else that you can do. God doesn't ask you to take the fourth step of faith. He asks you to take the first step of faith. And it's always another first step of faith. But if you will make a habit of doing that in your life, you'll look back one day and say, Jesus led me all the way. People look at you someday and say, how did you do it? How did you make it this far? I love talking with some of the senior saints in our church, and they tell me the stories of their life and all the things that have taken place. And I say, that's incredible. How did you deal with that? How did you go through that? How did you overcome that struggle? How did you go through that difficulty? How did you make it? Well, just one step at a time. One step at a time. I had an English teacher in high school. Every time she assigned a new project, One of those big, nasty research papers. You know what I'm talking about. 
And we say, oh, a 15-page research paper to a junior in high school. That just seems so overwhelming. Oh, just wait till college, right? Oh, this is going to be so hard. How are we going to do it? And she would always say, class, how do you eat an elephant? And she'd say, one bite at a time, one bite at a time. You know, faith sometimes looks like a big old elephant. And there's no way that we can move this thing or deal with this thing. But how do we move forward? It's progressively. It's one step at a time. Notice how Abraham did that. Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord spoke to him. So God told him to go. What was the first step? To depart, right? This isn't complicated, guys. If you're going to take a trip from here to Minnesota, what's the first step? You have to leave your house, right? So I don't know how to get to Minnesota. I can't. Leave your house. Well, I don't know what exit to take. Leave your house. Take the first step. Take the first step. He departed as the Lord spoke to him, and Lot went with him. And he was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And then look at verse 5. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance they had gathered, and the souls they got in Haran, and they went forth to go to the land of Canaan. And in the land of Canaan they came. Notice verse 6. And Abram passed through the land. So where did he go? He left Haran, and he went to Canaan. And then he passed through the land there, unto the place of Sikkim, into verse 6, unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And he built there an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. And then, what happened next? He removed from thence. He left that place to a mountain on the east side of Bethel. And he pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hea on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And then what happened next? Verse 9. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Do you see how God, in the way he's describing this, shows multiple steps of faith? Multiple steps of faith. I like to compare it to this. Having five kids, children have to live their life by faith. Think about it. And the obedience of faith is very evident in their lives. So, if you went home to your children today and said, kids, guess what? have a special surprise for you. We're taking the next week off school, and we are taking a trip to Alaska. Now, kids, sorry, it's not going to happen for any of you this afternoon. Don't worry about it. He's like, no, he knows it. This is just a made-up story. He's taking us to Alaska. Well, what does a child have to do? Let's say this is a four- or five-year-old child. What do they have to do? Do they know how to pack their bag? Nope. You say, go pack your bag. What are they going to come out with? Like their teddy bear or something? You know, like they're not packed. So what does a child have to do? Not a whole lot. But when it's time to go, they need to go with mom and dad, right? And if they go with mom and dad, does the child know how to get to the airport? Nope. How do they get to the airport? They just get in the car. And mom or dad gets them to the airport, right? Does the child know how to fly the plane? Nope. Do they even know which plane to get on? Nope. But does that matter? No, as long as they're with mom or dad, they get to the airport, they get through security, they get on the plane, 
They get in the right seat on the plane. They get off the plane in the right place. They get to the hotel or wherever else they're going, and they have this incredible trip, and they wonder, what did the child do the whole time? They just stayed close to mom and dad. And then they look back, wow, we had this great trip. Look at all the things we did. Can you, I, I mean, I sometimes think about this as a dad. You think about all the potential dangers that that five-year-old has navigated without even knowing it. All the potential places to get lost. All the potential people out there that might want to do harm to a five-year-old. All of the potential failures and struggles along the way. And the child is oblivious to all of that. The child's not feeling stressed out like the mother is who's busily packing the bag late into the night to make sure that they're ready to leave the next morning. Nope, child's not worried about that. Child's not feeling the father's pressure of like, well, can we afford to eat out again or not? Or, you know, are we going to have enough money for this trip? Is this okay to do this excursion or that excursion? Child's not worried about that. Child's not worried about what time the plane's supposed to leave. Nope, they're just there. Why are mom and dad so stressed out? You know, we serve a heavenly father who never gets stressed out. And he never runs out of money. And he never loses his children. And he never gets to a place where he says, oh, I'm not sure what to do next. He knows every step of the way. You see, faith is not that complicated. Faith is prompt. Faith is practical. And faith is progressive. It's just taking step by step with your heavenly Father. I love the truth from Matthew 7, verse 11, that says this, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask Him? Our earthly parents, for better or worse, do what they do. But we have a heavenly Father who's so much better than any earthly parent could ever be. And He knows how to give good gifts to His children. The obedience of faith, it's prompt, it's practical, it's progressive. Hold on for this next one. This one you may not like so much. Because Abraham's obedience was peculiar. It was peculiar. This is one of the challenges of faith. Because sometimes walking by faith is something that doesn't make sense to everybody else around you. It looks peculiar. What are people going to think if I take this step of faith? If I obey God and do what He tells me to do, what will people think? When you think of it, it was a strange thing for Abram to do, to suddenly pack up all of his belongings, to gather his family together, to leave his home, and to go off to an unknown destination. Some people may look at you and say, why do they go to church all the time? That's peculiar. Some people may look at you and say, why do they raise their children that way? Why don't they let them do this? That looks peculiar. Somebody may look at you and say, why have they given up going to this place or doing that thing? Why don't they hang out with these friends anymore? That seems a little bit strange. Faith, the obedience of faith, 
can look peculiar to some. Why do you give money to the church? Why do you read your Bible and talk about the Lord all the time? The world calls it foolish and a waste of time, but is it? Is it? No, not if God speaks to us through His Word. It's not a waste of time to read it. It may be peculiar in the eyes of the world, but it's pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. Matthew 5, verse 10 to 12 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and, say, and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. God spoke to the children of Israel in Exodus 19, verse 5. He says, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for the earth is mine. Don't you think the children of the king ought to look a little bit different and act a little bit different than the children of this world? Don't you think those who have a heavenly father who this world is not their home, they ought to look a little bit different and live a little bit different than the people of this world? The Bible says in Titus 2 verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous, of good works. The obedience of faith can be peculiar. So don't base your choices and decisions on what everybody else thinks. Base your walk of faith on what God has said. What God has said. Somebody said it this way, we ought to live our lives for the audience of one. And that, that audience is our Heavenly Father. Abraham's faith was peculiar. And finally, this morning, I want you to notice that Abraham's faith, his obedience was productive. It was productive. It was productive. By simply hearing God's voice and doing His will, Abraham produced something for the glory of God and for the blessing of millions of people. You know, we today are recipients of the blessings that are due in part to the faith of Abraham. Amen. Isn't that amazing to think about? That your choices, if you will walk by faith, can have an impact for generations to countless millions of people. Many of you here this morning have called upon the name of the Lord as Savior, you've trusted in Jesus Christ. Have you ever stopped to just think back through the portion of the story that you know? And there's a lot that you and I don't know, but the portion that you do know of how God got the gospel to you. I want to think about that. Somebody told you. you Say, well, nobody told me. I found it because I was just, I found a Bible and was reading it someday. You know, somebody printed that Bible. And before that, somebody died so that you could have that Bible in print. 
And before that, somebody gave of their time to be able to copy it over and over. You know, in the old days, they had to do that by hand. You say, well, I was, I was just a kid in church in Sunday school, and that's where I heard the gospel of God say, you know, some teacher got up and cut out all those little felt pieces that went on the flannel graph. And somebody taught your teacher. And somebody taught your teacher's teacher. I mean, if you ever want to get a blessing, just sit back a little bit and kind of think back what God did or what He must have done to be able to get the gospel to you. It's incredible. It's incredible. And God used the faith of Abraham to produce incredible things. You know, I believe God will use your faith to do the same thing. He will. He will. God doesn't create people on accident. He, he doesn't stick people out there and go, well, I don't really have a use for them. That's kind of the loose screw over there. Some of you may feel like a loose screw. So I don't know where I fit. I'm the one after they put it all together, there was still that one screw laying there on the ground. We say, I don't know where that goes. Let's throw it in the bucket for something else. No, God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. You may feel like that in your family. Man, I'm the black sheep. I'm the loose screw. I'm the one that was left. I'm the runt of the litter. I don't know what good can come out of me. But you know, that's not how God views you. God wants to use your faith to produce great things. In you, yes, but even in the world around you as you serve Him. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2, And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. You know, your work of faith, your walk of faith, your obedience of faith has the potential to be a great blessing to somebody else. It has a potential to be a great encouragement to your family. It has the, the ability to produce wonderful things in a church, in a community, in your home. You say, but it's just me. You know, it was pretty much just Abraham too. He wasn't invited in to pastor a large church. Nope. Just Abraham and his wife and his nephew and few people, they just packed up and went. They went. They obeyed God. Genesis 22, verse 18, God says to Abraham, And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou, I love this, because thou hast obeyed my voice. You've obeyed me, and therefore all nations of the earth will be blessed. Your obedience of faith has the ability to produce blessings for others. Here we learn that God wonderfully multiplies our simple acts. Think about the faith of that woman who threw her two mites in to the offering. And the Bible said, Jesus said she gave all that she had, right? She just threw her two pennies in. That woman had no idea when she gave those two pennies that we'd be talking about her today. She had no idea. No clue whatsoever. 
And here we are this morning. Well, if she could give her two penny, I'll give my two penny. Her faith has produced a blessing for us today. Well, but pastor, the Bible's already written, so they're not going to write about us in the Bible. Come on. People throughout the years who have lived long since the Bible was finished are still being a blessing to us today. Don't you see how God can take your step of faith to be productive, to produce blessings for others who will follow? God multiplies those simple acts of faith and obedience. Let me show you another passage of Scripture and. We're almost done here. But in Genesis 26, 2 through 5, God explained this type of work to Isaac. Isaac was Abraham's son of promise. And the Lord, it says, appeared to him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee. And will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear to Abraham thy father. He's telling this to Isaac. And I will make thy seed to, here's the word, to multiply as the stars of heaven. This is the same promise that God gave to Abraham. Now he's giving it to Isaac. And give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And then if you underline in your Bible, underline verse 5. He says this, because that Abraham obeyed my voice. There it is again, the obedience of faith. And kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Why did Isaac receive this promise? It was because of Abraham's obedience. Why will your children receive a blessing? Because of your obedience of faith. Why can your co-workers receive a blessing from God? Because of your obedience of faith. Why is your church encouraged? Because of your obedience of faith. You know, I think there still is hope for our country. But the hope for our country is found in the Word of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the hope for America. That's our hope. And if we take this obedience of faith to heart and we live it out, God can do His work in and through us to make a great difference in our world today. God told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26, He said, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you this day, this is the obedience of faith, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Don't turn after other gods. No, follow God by faith. Obey His word. Follow His commandments. You know, the children of Israel are tremendous example of what it looks like to walk with God by faith or to not walk with God by faith. They experienced both the blessings and the curses. There's a lot we can learn from them in our own life.
God's given us His Word. He speaks to us through it. Somebody said, well, I don't know what you mean, all this God speaking to you. If you will open God's Word and begin to read it and examine it, God will speak to you through His Word. And we joke about this sometimes, but it is true. Somebody said, well, I want to have Him speak to me out loud. Then read your Bible out loud. It's God's Word. It's His Word. He'll speak to you through His Word. The problem is not a lack of God speaking. The problem for us is whether we're willing to hear and obey. Hear and obey. Hey, all of you are here this morning. Even if you don't own a Bible like this, you have access to it on the internet, on an app on your phone. There's no excuse for any of us not to have the Word of God. Even if English is not your first language, there's probably a language that you speak that the Bible's been translated into that you have access to today, right now at your fingertips. The problem is not a lack of God speaking to us. Our problem is whether or not we're willing to listen and obey what He says. Friends, this isn't complicated, but it can be hard. Because we have to take that truth and we have to let it be really practical every day. Like Abraham, when God spoke to him, that meant Abraham had to go to Sarai and say, Hey, Sarai, I know, you're, I know you love it here. I know you grew up here. But Sarah, it's time to pack the bags. We don't know how Sarah responded in that moment, but we do know that she went with him. She did go with him. And we will see the faith of Sarah here in the next couple of weeks, as she is mentioned as well in this passage on faith. But there were some really practical things that Abraham had to do. He had to go to his wife and tell her to pack the bags. He had to go and say goodbye to a lot of people. He had to load up and set out, and everybody's going, where's Abraham going? What's he... Why is he leaving here? This is where his family's at. This is where everything's good. This is where it's comfortable. What's wrong with him? He's kind of strange. I don't know if we'll ever hear of Abraham again. But you know what? It doesn't matter if they did or not. Because Abraham was doing what God told him to do. And God blessed him. And God blessed us because of the faith of Abraham. Father... We love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for this truth. Lord, may we be willing to lay our own will on the altar of obedience this morning. To take our own desires, our own plans, our own fears of what others may think and cast them upon you this morning. And Lord, would you help us to be willing to walk by faith and obey. Let us not be afraid of the fourth or fifth or tenth step down the road. Let us be willing to take the step that's right in front of us today to obey promptly, right away. Lord, to walk step by step with you. Yes, if we take that first step of faith, then yes, you may ask us to take another step. But Lord, help us to realize there is nothing better than to live a life in close relationship with you. Lord, help us to realize that that relationship, while it begins at salvation, it doesn't end there. Rather, that begins our walk of faith. 
And Lord, if we can trust you enough to save you, save us from our sin, Lord, we ought to be able to trust you enough to obey your word and to walk by faith. Lord, you know who needs to hear this message this morning. Lord, you know what's going on in each heart. Lord, I can't ask enough questions to cover all the needs this morning, but I ask that you, through your Spirit, would do a work to convict hearts where they need to be convicted, pinpoint the issues that need to be dealt with. Lord, do your work that only you can. And during this time, as we have an invitation, I pray that people would respond in obedience by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.